leaders have to be able to connect with diverse people. They have to be able to champion diverse people. They have to be able to empower diverse people. And so this idea where you look at the way businesses used to be run, where it was about employee satisfaction, satisfaction is not enough anymore. You see some companies have moved into like employee engagement. That's not enough anymore. People are now demanding they want to be fulfilled in the workplace and they won't feel fulfilled if leaders mistreat them. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the All Inclusive podcast. In today's challenging economic environment, many organizations have been faced with tough decisions, including layoffs, which can have a significant impact on their DE&I efforts. But it's essential that organizations don't lose sight of their DE&I goals during these difficult times. On today's episode, I'm joined by Donald Knight, Chief People Officer at Greenhouse Software. We discuss the impact of layoffs on an organization's DE&I initiatives and what they can do to continue making progress towards these goals despite economic challenges. We also discuss Greenhouse's recent rebranding of its DE&I program to IDEA, inclusion, diversity, equity, and allyship, and what's awaiting new leaders in this rapidly changing business environment. As always, before jumping into the video, make sure to hit that subscribe button, turn on your notification bell and follow on your favorite podcast platform so that you never miss an episode. That being said, let's jump in. Hi, Donald. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm excited to be here. I was looking forward to this all day. And so, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great conversation. Oh, no, me too. I'm super excited at it too. Um, so tell our listeners a little bit about you and your journey to where you are today. Absolutely. Uh, first and foremost, I'm Dalen's dad. Uh, he's 12. So that's super important. Uh, and then I would say the second thing that's super important is that I'm an ice cream enthusiast. I absolutely love ice cream. I will eat <laughs> any and all ice cream. What flavor? Uh, what uh, that's that's a great question. I right now I'm eating cinnamon skillet, oh, wow. which is like chunks of caramel and cookies and then a bunch of cinnamon. It's so good. Mm, it sounds so, amazing. Yeah. Uh, but when I'm not being Dalen's dad or I'm not, you know, actively eating ice cream, I get to be chief people officer at Greenhouse Software, which is a hiring um, company. So hiring software. And we get to help companies unlock uh, the potential of the people that work there. So it's super exciting. Mm, I can imagine. So last year, Greenhouse rebranded their diversity, equity, inclusion efforts into IDEA, which is Inclusion, Diversity, Equity, and Allyship. So yeah. can you tell us a little bit about that rebrand and what kind of changes you've made into the way that you promote um, DEI or IDEA in your organization? Yeah, it's, it's funny. So we call it IDEA, and here's how the idea happened. The necessities for people in business have changed. So if you think about DEI historically, what happened was it started through this lens of compliance and employers would report on how, how diverse their organization is, which then led to this idea around DNI, which was diversity and inclusion. So how do you include these diverse people? And then the next iteration we saw was around, now you have to treat those people equitably, which didn't happen at all companies. It still doesn't happen at all companies 
where some people are mistreated either based on race or gender or if um, based on age. And so for us, what we tried to figure out is like, hmm, what's the next phase of this entire uh, thought process around being inclusive or, or demonstrating inclusion? And when we got together, the idea, the aha moment was inclusion's an output. If you have diversity, equity, and allyship, so this idea of really championing other people and making sure that all people see, feel heard, seen, and valued, then inclusion's an output. But the biggest piece is the allyship. And the way we would find that is like, we'd be like, we'll talk and be like, oh, Natasha talks about this one person she works with at our company. And it's an amazing boss or an amazing mentor. And we're like, whoa, time out. Like, there's some themes here. When you think about the people that you uh, either had in school or university as professors, or you think about people that you work with, the throughput for us was, oh, there's behaviors that they're demonstrating that fall into this bucket of allyship that allows people to be heard, seen, and valued. And so we moved over to idea because the, uh, the thought process was, how do we make sure we start cultivating those behaviors and changing people's habits in the allyship bucket? If we do that and we continue to hire diverse people and treat them equitably, we believe inclusion happens. Oh, that sounds amazing. I do want to get your insight on what is the work environment like now for new leaders? Do you know what I mean? Because I mean, like you guys, Greenhouse have rebranded and there's a lot of things that are happening in the working world now. Um, yeah. So what are leaders going into? Yeah, it's so it's it's so funny. I believe that the skills that leaders needed to have before and the skills that they have to have now they've shifted a little bit, right? So there was a time, I was just talking to a few leaders yesterday, there was a time where things like vulnerability, empathy, transparency, those things were nice-to-haves. So you could get away with being a leader and not doing them. The ones who did do them would be a standout. Some people call them superheroes. Some people say that's my favorite leader, but they would be standouts. I think the shift that we're seeing, though, those are now need-to-haves. And if you think about it through this lens of allyship, um, there was a time, like I'm, I'm, I'm a lover of history. So like there was a time where we didn't have diverse people in workplaces, right? There was a time women, the suffrage movement, right? We March is Women's History Month. So you think about like the advancements that have happened in all these different pockets or demographics of humans on this planet, so now that dynamic of like allyship and what those behaviors are, those have changed and they're absolutely expected of leaders. Leaders have to be able to connect with diverse people. They have to be able to champion diverse people. They have to be able to empower diverse people. And so this idea where you look at the way businesses used to be run, where it was about employee satisfaction, satisfaction is not enough anymore. You see some companies have moved into like employee engagement that's not enough anymore. People are now demanding, they wanna be fulfilled in the workplace and they won't feel fulfilled if leaders mistreat them. And so you think about people with disabilities or the use of pronouns, like all of these new leadership traits, some people had them before, but they were nice to have. I think now what we're seeing is 
um, a bunch of people first leaders sprout up, uh, or what I like to call tomorrow's leaders, the leaders that'll be around to lead these businesses or these companies or these organizations or nonprofits, um, those tomorrow leaders, they're demonstrating those behaviors today. So I think that's the biggest shift I see in what before were called soft skills. They're not soft skills, they're human skills. And the people who develop their human skills, those tomorrow leaders, they will help groom people first companies. And oh, by the way, that's where people are going to want to spend their time, talent and treasure. I like that tomorrow leaders. I mean, it's it's so true. I think it's it's so important that you've got leaders that are are people first leaders and that they it's not a nice to have anymore those are definitely skill sets that, that you want in a leader if you're someone that's kind of entering into the workplace how can you spot those people first leaders yeah um that's a great question and natasha i, I try to do my best to highlight those people like when I'm speaking with our organization, I am well known for calling people's names out when I do examples. Uh, and the reason for that is because we have to start demonstrating in shared spaces what great looks like. Right. Yeah. There's a number of people who want to cross that chasm and, and develop that behavior or change their behaviors, but they don't know what that looks like. Because like some of the leaders that may be in certain roles from a title perspective have got there without having to demonstrate that. So one of the ways I spot those leaders is I like to see how they engage people that are different than them. So the, so the men that don't overtalk women in meetings, um, the women leaders who make sure that they use uh, find ways to use pronouns or ask how do you pronounce someone's name because you want them to feel seen, valued, and heard. I look for those leaders. I think another way is you can look at their teams. I have found diverse people know diverse people. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So those leaders, their teams are typically more representative, representative of the full fabric of the community. Uh, another one would be their friend group. See the way they talk about their friend group. If I hear different types of names, right? Like if I hear, oh, like, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, I'm hanging out with my friend Natasha. And then I'm probably going to grab a pint with, or, or a pick with my buddy, Chris. And then later on, I'm going to go hang out with Emilio. If I hear those types of different names, probably those types of people. And so I'm always looking at those types of um looking for those types of traits in people, either in their actions uh, or their default habits or the communities or the people that they spend time with. That's the best way for me to find those people. So what advice would you give to leaders that are in organizations where, like you said, it, for some, it's the natural thing. They have those traits of, of a people first leader and and they're, they're in DEI, they're in a DEI team and they've got support around them. But what do you say to leaders that are, working within an organization that isn't really giving them the tools to be able to progress or isn't, they just can't see a path what, forward. Yeah, there, that is a, um, that is an unfortunate reality for a lot of people where they feel stuck 
mm. um, because they're not able to grow. I, I think there's there's a couple of things I would encourage those people. I think the first thing I would say is find the companies that do provide that. That would be the first thing is because if you're not fulfilled where you're located today, you should be trying to figure out where do you want to go be fulfilled? Where is that location? Where are those leaders at? So the first thing I would say is look for those types of companies. The second thing I would say, though, is find ways to connect with people at those organizations, because even while you're still in your current company, those people will be like oxygen. Like there's just certain you, you ever meet those people in life where you're like, oh, my goodness, I feel like I've known this person forever just because they're just a good person. Good yeah, character, you. <laughs> this well, is there you. We go. I, I feel the same <laughs> way about you as well. So, yeah. So when I when I see those people, it's like, okay, how do I create proximity with that person? Like, even if we don't work together, right? Like you and I don't work together every day, but like, you better believe there's not a time if, if I'm coming to London from now on, you're going to know about it. You might not have time on your calendar but or in your diary, but you'll know. I tell people, try to find ways to create proximity with those people because those people will be so refreshing. And then I think the last thing I would say is um, don't be afraid to... Um, improve your community. One of the things that I've learned personally is um, I've had, in order for me to make new friends like you and, 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 and create new relationships, often that me meant I had to sunset some old ones. And the folks that may not have been pouring, they might not have been um, pouring themselves into the organization the way that I would want to from a lens of allyship or advocating or championing other people. You know, I don't wish them any harm, but I don't spend as much time with those people because I want to be around people like you all the time. Like, I only want to be around the people who want to do this work and leave a lasting, impactful impression on people. Um, and so I, what I have learned is I've also had to reset my community. And sometimes that meant resetting my employer. So one of the things I like about being at Greenhouse is it is by far the greatest culture I've ever seen in a business. And we hire, I think our hiring process, because it's so structured and there's no bi there's less bias, like there's still bias just because of where we landed on the planet. But because the interview process itself, we've mitigated that bias and the products that we use, we've mitigated that bias. What ends up happening is the people that end up here to share their time, talent, and treasure, they typically have high EQ, emotional intelligence, and they demonstrate those allyship behaviors. And so I, I always want to be around those kind of people. So sometimes that may mean changing the community, means changing your employer. Mm. And I know it's easier said than done, though, I feel sometimes. Like, I'm going to be honest, I think that Yes, you can be in a situation where you know it's not good for you. Like you just know, like I, there's just toxic people around me or I really need to, to kind of move on. How do you, how do you change your mindset and just take that leap? Like for you, cause you said that you've, you've, you've just said that like you've been in that situation where actually like I need to kind of, what's the word? shed the herd kind of thing. I need to move on. Like, this is not working yeah. for me. Let's go. Yeah. Um, how did you know, like, now is the time? Like, I, now is the time I'm going to do it. Um, two ways. 
the first thing is I believe the grass is greener where we water it. So if I was in those environments, I tried to usher in the change I wanted to see, right? And I gave it meaningful effort, speaking to the right leaders, uh, engaging the right um, uh, peers across, up and across the business. And in some of those cases, I saw those environments actually get better. And so I appreciate working at those companies. There's another set of companies, though, that I worked at where I tried to create that change and I was constantly met with resistance or I was constantly met with why this can't happen or why this isn't good for us or why does that even matter? Like, why do you care about allyship? Why does that matter? Come here and do your job. And so what I realized is you can only continue to water those locations, but for so long until you realize that you're like, mm, this isn't going to change. So that's how I justified making the leap. And any of the businesses or companies that I've worked at in the past that I would actually go back to, it's because I saw change occur, but I was part of the change. I think a lot of times we want these environments to change, but we want it to be someone else's responsibility. We right. believe it's DEI's responsibility, or no, it's Natasha. Natasha, you you lead our team. That's your job as a leader, or it's HR's job, or it's the CEO's job. And I'm like, time out. It's all of our job. <laughs> all of us have a responsibility to to water the grass. Right. So, like, let's figure out how we're going to do this. Um, but in those cases where people were interested, with time, it becomes easier to justify taking the leap. Yeah. Just a little easier. It's still hard, but it's worth it. Mm. No, I, I I hear that. And I think, you know, when you when you see something that you're unhappy with or when you're in an environment that you're unhappy with, I, I, I completely hear in terms of you thinking that it's someone else has dropped the ball and it's their job to pick it up and, and sort it out. But in some instance, if you don't voice if you don't voice that you have a problem or that there is an issue, yeah. um, how will anyone know? And if, and sometimes they need someone to kind of give them a little bit of a steer. Like, this is what I'm unhappy with. Here are some ways that I think we can solve the problem. And then, like you said, if, if it's not happening, they don't want to listen, it's not changing, then yeah, I agree. I think you kind of need to cut your losses and just uh, move on. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I, I like I like everything that you've just said, Donald. I think it's I think it's really valuable and really insightful. Um moving on from you being the person or as an individual, you feeling like, okay, this is the time for me to go. We are now in 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 a time where there are a lot of layoffs. So there are a lot of decisions being made that are out of our control. Um what do you think the impact of all these layoffs are of all these layoffs? is having on diversity, equity, and inclusion and those roles? Yeah. Um, I think the first thing I would say is uh, I demonstrate empathy and I have empathy for people who are impacted by recent layoffs. Um, anytime someone's life is disrupted and it wasn't something that they could plan for, um, it can be very unsettling. And it could be demoralizing sometimes. Um, and so for the listeners 
that are listening to this, if if you're one of those people, I have a lot of empathy for you. And equally at the same time, I would offer you encouragement in saying that this too shall pass. Um, my son, Dalen, doesn't like rainy days because he, he likes being outside. He likes playing with his friends. But his perspective on rainy days helped me when it comes to demonstrating empathy because he says, well, dad, I don't like rainy days, but one day it has to stop raining. Like the sun's going to come back out. And so for those folks that are impacted by layoffs, it's a rainy day. It may be a few rainy weeks or even a few rainy months, but I'm here to tell you that the sun is going to come back out. Um, how does that relate to DE&I? Well, the studies show that DE&I roles are being slashed left and right. That during this time, we've seen over 30% of DE&I professionals be reduced in how many roles were even out there in the world. Um, I saw another overwhelming stat that said, um, two years ago, we were just seeing all these businesses make sizable investments in DE&I post-George Floyd. And so it could feel very um, disheartening to see those same companies easily identify DE&I as one of the areas to make less investment or preserve, if you will. Um, from that perspective, I would say, I think this is... Um, indicative of those companies that are not truly people first. Because if we believe diversity of thought leads to innovation and innovation drives revenue and profits, then to go cut the very team that's responsible for shepherding or holding companies accountable to make sure that we live up to that diversity, that just seems kind of like um, disingenuous. So the irony in that is like two years later, we're seeing those 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 roles get slashed the most. I do think though, if there's a glimmer of hope, the glimmer of hope for me is in the companies that are choosing not to cut those roles. Right. I feel That's like you can see me. them more now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like they're way more visible now to see which companies actually care about this work. And, you know, I'm thinking about, the name of your podcast, which I think is amazing, which is like, we're finding out which companies are truly all inclusive. <laughs> exactly. No, totally. Mm -hmm. And the ones that are not, as humans, we should think about, do we want to continue supporting them either as customers? Do we even want to support them as employees? Do we even want to work there? Because we have these choices, like we can make the choice. So me personally, what I've tried to do is all the companies that are preserving those roles, I'm trying to figure out how do I spend more of my discretionary income with those companies? Like I want their profits to blow up during this time in a positive way. I want them to grow left and right um, because I want them to know that, hey, I see you. I see what you're doing, how you're preserving these roles. And that's important. So as a consumer, I'm willing to park my dollars with you. And there's a number of companies that are doing it. Like HelloFresh is one. I, you know, I became a huge HelloFresh customer now. Like I use, they have this thing called Factor where you can like 
they send the meals to me every week. I don't even have to cook them anymore. So yeah, I'd like, yeah, no, I love that. I, so we literally just started HelloFresh. And yes. we started it when they were still, where it was still quite new. Um, yeah. And it was that, I think it was at the point, of, we just started it just before COVID. So like, okay. I think a lot of people then jumped onto like the meal prep companies at that time, because it was just a lot easier. You couldn't really go to the shops, could you? Um, yeah. And so we started and it was amazing, great. Then we were moving house. And so we were reevaluating our finances and it was like, mm, do we still want to do HelloFresh? Not because we didn't like it anymore, but it was like, is this something that we, we want to put in our budget? Like, do we want to yeah. spend the money or maybe we should just scale back and just do our own meals? And actually it was because of the way that they were operating as an organization, as a company, as, as a, as they, for me, they came across as a people first organization. I was like, Absolutely. you know what? Like I want to support them. So it's okay. I'm going to spend the extra coin and I'm going to continue with them. And I want to be a loyal consumer. So I, I completely get your point. Like, I'm so glad oh. you brought up HelloFresh. Cause I was like, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Like I'm all in. And and there's other companies like apparel companies like New Balance. I've I'm all in on New Balance. I only wear New Balance because I see how they treat their workers. I see how inclusive they are, even with which designers they're using to design shoes, new shoes, new collections. And so like I reached out to leaders at at least both of those companies. Um, so shout outs to Johannes, who's the CPO at the chief people officer at HelloFresh. And then I would say shout outs to Chris Davis, who's the chief marketing officer at New Balance. They know I'm personally going to increase how much dollars I spend with their company because of how they navigate their people. That's super important to me. And I hope, I hope this conversation, Natasha, um, will help inspire other people to choose to make sure um, they're supporting the companies that, you know, match the things that they want to prioritize when it comes to people, including things like inclusion, diversity, equity, and allyship. Mm. Oh, I love it. I'm, I'm all for it. And so if anyone's listening, pay attention to where you're spending your coin and support the organizations that really do have an inclusive and people first mindset, because that's the way that we're actually going to really move the dial. So we can really show to all those naysayers out there who in times of, economic downturn are willing to just pull everything that they had once said that they were going to do in terms of DEI um yeah. and do a complete u-turn that's just it's just not acceptable um what I would want to hear from you though is is to find out for the organizations that do they they are people first or they they have great intentions that but they're just their hands are tied um what would you say to them? How can they continue to push forward whilst still being limited? Yeah. Um, for those organizations, I would say getting this right is difficult. One of the things I often tell our team at Greenhouse is the biggest room in the world is the room for improvement. And so this is a constant journey even myself, like I realized I've always tried to be a great ally for minorities and then having a sister and a wife and a mom, I got better at being an ally for women, but I'm still not perfect. And like we have a 
Arbor, our ERGs, our employee resource groups, we call them Arbors. And one of those Arbors is called Trellis. And they've helped me navigate things around like people with disabilities or what's ableist language or how do I ensure captions are turned on because um, not everybody uh, learns or listens by way of audio. Like some people are maybe hearing impaired, so they like to read. So I use myself as an example to say it's constant improvement. For those companies who want to improve, there's a couple different ways I would tell you. First, start with number one, how are you bringing people to your organization? So the hiring process, who are you choosing from? Which universities are you sourcing from? Which universities aren't you sourcing from? Um, what does that experience look like on the front end when you're making a first impression with candidates who are looking to potentially join your organization? Whether you have a very robust DNI practice or you're just starting out, the one thing that you can ensure is when people experience your company from a hiring perspective, you can ensure that everybody has an equitable, consistent experience. So the hiring process, I think, is one. I think the second thing that I would say is what behaviors do you want people to demonstrate at your company? Like what habits, what actions, what behaviors? And figure out, are there some behaviors that you need to sunset and stop doing? Which are the behaviors that you're doing today that people absolutely adore because it makes them feel welcomed or gives them a sense of belonging? And then what are some new behaviors you're like, oh my goodness, we've never done that before. Let me call some of the experts to figure out how we can start doing those things. Um, but that's how I would encourage them. It's like, it's always going to be a work in progress. There's always more we can do. There's always room for improvement, but you got to start somewhere. So start in those three places. Um, that's what I would encourage them to do. Oh, thank you so much for that, Donald. Um, I've so much enjoyed our conversation today. Just before you leave us, could you give some parting piece of advice to the aspiring DEI leaders of tomorrow? Uh, yes, advice. Your work matters. Your work matters. I, When I look at history, there were bold women during the suffrage movement that ensured that women could be present in workplaces today. There were bold women who ran for public office that ensured we have more women in public office, not just not just in uh, the UK, not just in America, but on the face of the planet, there are more women represented uh, in these roles than we've ever seen before. So for those DEI leaders, I would say your work matters because you each time you contribute to this ecosystem, you're shifting the landscape for what your daughter or my son gets to experience when they get to our age, when they're working in environments. So number one, your work matters. The second thing I would say is um, don't be afraid to lean on your community. And when I say that, uh, this work can be hard. Oftentimes it's draining. Um, and particularly in this time right now, when you see so many DNI professionals being laid off, um, it can be quite concerning. You could you could want to throw in the towel. And so what I tell people is lean on your community. If you don't have a community, reach out to Natasha, reach out to me. I'd love to join your community to help provide you some level of encouragement. Um, 
but lean on that community. It's going to take the efforts of all of us, not in just doing the work, but also supporting and encouraging one another to get where we want to go um, on this thing called Earth, this planet called Earth. So we're all in this together, uh, but I'm happy to join and be whatever voice of encouragement and Natasha, I've been encouraged in my conversations with you. So I hope they flood your inbox. No, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, like I, that's the whole reason why I started this podcast um, I'm, is a way to not only shine a light on the great work that everybody is doing, but also just as a platform to, for people to listen in and find individuals that are doing the work that they're doing and to create a community. So yeah, I mean, definitely who are anyone who's listening, if you want to start building your own communities, do it, go for it. And I'm more than happy to help and assist. And as Donald said, he's open to it too. So Donald, how can people connect with you? Easiest way to connect with me is I'm on every social media site known to man uh, and women. Um, Proximity Night um, is the easiest way. If you want to get more direct, just find me on like LinkedIn. It's Donald Knight. Or if you want to just email me, We'll put my email somewhere in the show notes. I have no problem with you all reaching out to me directly. But yeah, that's the easiest way to get get in contact with me. How about you, Natasha? What's the easiest way to get in contact with me? I mean, yeah, everyone knows you can reach me at LinkedIn. And also you can reach me at Natasha at allinclusivemedia.co. So yeah, definitely. I'm more than happy. Flood my inbox. It'll be great. (laughs) It'll be great to see. Um, I love the love. Uh, so once again, Donald, thank you so much for this conversation today. I knew it was going to be a good one. You did not disappoint. And I wish you all the best for the future. Thank you. Thank you for creating a platform and a safe space to have these conversations. And anything I can do to make sure I continue to support and amplify all inclusive, I'm happy to do so because I love the work that you do. Oh, same here. Totally. Speak soon. See you.